My name is Brian and I'm an alcoholic. This is an open meeting of the Atlantic Group of Alcoholics Anonymous and all are welcome to attend. We hope that what you learn here may be helpful to your recovery and or understanding. The format of this meeting is two 10-minute speakers followed by our information break and then our main speaker who will speak for 30 minutes. Our first 10-minute speaker is Franco. Uh, good evening, I'm Franco, I'm an alcoholic. Super grateful to be here. I was told it was a small meeting, so the microphone's a little. Uh, my sobriety date is August 7, 2019. My home group is PAX in Lower Manhattan. I'm super grateful to be sober today. Uh, most importantly, I cannot drink safely under any circumstances. Uh, me and alcohol do not mix. Um, and I found this out at a very young age, and, and uh, that didn't stop me from continuing to research over and over and over again. I grew up uh, just across the bridge on the Queens side in Maspeth. Um, come from an Italian family, uh, middle income, middle class. Uh, alcohol is a big part of our story in the house. Um, and um, I'm glad I only have 10 minutes because I'm not a big fan of drunkologues, especially when it comes to my story. I, uh, I, I fast forwarded at the age of 12 or 13 right, right to the chapter of my using where um, I would puke and I would do other things, lose complete control of my bodily functions, wake up completely embarrassed that all my friends and everyone in the neighborhood had you know, not such nice things to say about me and my family. And I come from a house where problems get swept under the rug, the doors get shut, the blinds get closed, uh, and if no one knows these things about us, then we don't have to do anything to fix it. Um, I always did very well in school. Um, I like to say that my disease always did very well in school. That was like something I would do just to make sure the eyes weren't on me. I'm not someone that got sober because they woke up on the plane on the way to Burning Man over and over again wondering how they got there. That's not a part of my story. I, I drank and I did other things just to destroy what you saw of me, what you heard of me, what I sounded like. I didn't want to be seen. I wanted to be just a dust bunny in the corner of a room. I didn't want to exist. And uh, I was pretty good at it until, you know, uh, it was obvious to me that something needed to change. And somewhere around the age of uh, 20, or 22, 23, around the time it was suggested to me that I go to my first AA meeting, and I went, and of course, you know, a story everyone here could identify with. You know, to me, an alcoholic was uh, someone that lived on boxcars and traveled around the country, and, um, you know, that wasn't me. I would, um, I would save all my loose change, um, and at the end of the week, I would spend one night getting wasted. I would shoot all my shots in one night. Uh, the disease would tell me that I didn't belong here because I didn't drink every day like you drank. Uh, I didn't do the things on Tuesday that you did on Tuesday, but I did everything you did on Monday to Thursday, I did on Friday. And I would do it until I couldn't stand anymore. Um, eventually, my alcoholism developed an addiction to other things, other substances, people, places, and things. And, um, you know, I know we want to keep our, our focus on the primary, primary solution here. Uh, I was never the guy in a tie-dye t-shirt selling things outside the Grateful Dead concert. Uh, I also did that stuff to, just to not exist so you wouldn't see me, so you wouldn't hear me, and you wouldn't have uh, anything to say about me. I, I would control how I felt about my life by controlling what you saw of my life. And to me, that meant I was living successfully. Um, Somewhere around the age of, uh, I'm 43 now, I've been sober a little over four years. Um, somewhere around the age of uh, 38, I met a woman on a dating, dating app. 
She came back to my apartment. I thought I was living really good. I was living in East New York, uh, close to East New York on the Crown Heights side. And uh, I had a large bedroom, you know, and I had two roommates. The cops were always coming to deal with them and their behavior. But I thought I had it good because I had room for a couch and a bed in the same room. Uh, <laughs> This girl saw mail piled to the ceiling. She saw the way I was living, and she told me, you got a, you got a problem, and something has to change here. I was so good at lying to her about what, I, uh, what, what was inflicting the damage on my life. She told me to go to DA. I thought if I could manage how I spend time and how I spend money, that maybe I'll be able to use safely. Um, and you know what? Um, that was me, working, working the steps in the big book with other alcoholics around other issues that affect our life, thinking that no one could tell that I was drunk and other things at the same time, um, thinking that no one could tell that the dots had started to connect in my brain that this disease they talk about in the big book is something I identify completely and fully with, and uh, I didn't want anyone to know. Uh, until that little still quiet voice inside just got too loud and there was nothing I could do about it, I had a bike accident, um, and then it was very clear to me I would have to go on another uh, binge of lying to medical authorities, lying to family about how I got hurt again, not sure how I'd get bailed out. Um, realization really sunk in when I had burned through all my relationships and the friends and the family weren't there to support me or even to lie to, and then you know you're in trouble. Uh, I was actually at a family function, and uh, the people that I could have sworn were sicker than me I heard talking about how uh, I had a problem and they didn't know what to do about it. And that was all I needed to hear. I had sober feet at that point and something encouraged me to go to an AA meeting. Um, at the time I was on Eastern Long Island and about 20 minutes after that voice in my head said get up and do something about it. I was on the phone with the friend that I had seen get sober and go from homelessness to a very functional beautiful life. And uh, he told me just stop what you're doing right now, go to an AA meeting, tomorrow pack your bags, come back to the city and go to another one, I'll meet you there. And that's where my story began, and I've been sober ever since, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, my first meeting in the city was Living Now. I, I heard a speaker there talk about how, because there was still that voice in my head that I'm not like them. You know, I'm, I'm different on paper than they are, so that must mean I don't have this disease. And I heard someone, uh, qualification, share about what their anger was like at year five of their sobriety and how they knew they had a problem, and the only thing that could help them were the steps of AA. And, and at that point, even the ego uh, in my brain that didn't think I was an alcoholic knew there was nowhere left to hide. And I, uh, I got a sponsor at that meeting, and I've been to a meeting, um, multiple meetings a week, every week since then, all through COVID. I was very fortunate to have five months of in-person sobriety before Zoom and COVID kicked in. So I had a fellowship structure in my life that got me through the pandemic, and I'm very happy to say that my life has gone better ever since. Uh, and I, I am not looking back. I have um, had a spiritual awakening and a, and a new state of mind and a state of hope in areas of my life where I've been totally hopeless in the past. Um, areas of my life where I've been crippled by fear. I can tell you that when that fear would come up, even in sobriety, I would fall into the same character defects, lying, cheating, and stealing to, to control uh, what my life looked like to you because I thought if you had something positive to say about me, then maybe then I'd have something positive to say about me. And I'm really grateful that the steps of AA have intervened in that process and I'm able to show up for my life with faith, unconditional faith, unaided resource in areas where uh, I just did not how to show up, did not know how to show up. I'm fresh off of a men's retreat that I go on every year. I've gone on this retreat every year for the past five years. It was just this past weekend. And um, 
you know, I'm, I'm finally starting to meet this person that didn't walk through the door. Something new has arisen in me because of the steps I do here, uh, because of the work I do with my sponsor. I left that part out. Uh, I have a sponsor who's also a member of my home group. He knows he's my sponsor, and we do intensive work together once a week. Really grateful for that. And um, I'm so grateful that there's a new uh, person inside of my body that I can share with newcomers. Getting to know a lot about myself and working with others. Uh, seeing where I can force myself on the experience. Doing an inventory around how powerless I know I am over the disease in me, but still need to be reminded that I'm powerless over the disease in others. And somewhere in that process, I'm, I'm gaining access to compassion and empathy and an ability to connect and relate to the world that I can tell you it's just not possible if I'm out there drinking and doing other things on my own the way I want to do them. I stay very close to men and women in sobriety, and uh, when I'm faced with major decisions, I run these major decisions by people I trust and people I've gotten sober with. And um, if I'm not faced with decisions on a day-to-day -day basis, I still run things by them because I'm an expert at living in vagueness and disappearing from the world. Uh, and I like, I like my fellows to be around me just to make sure I'm still showing up for life and still doing this thing every day because I know it works. Um, yeah, I know it works. I'm so grateful to be sober. Prayer and meditation are really big parts of my life. Um, I'm very grateful to be returning to a place with meditation now in sobriety, a practice that I had before I got sober. Uh, everything I connected to before sobriety was just to manage the fallout of my alcohol addiction and the other addictions that came from my alcohol abuse, and that includes meditation. And I'm, I'm in a place now where it's carrying me closer to God and closer to the message that we, that we set forth here in AA. And... Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I know where I belong, and I know, I know that's in the middle of the pack, and I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to stay close. I'm going to wrap it up here. There's two other people I really want to hear from tonight. All I have to say is that, you know, anyone who's new here, anyone who's coming around that doesn't want to keep coming back, I promise you, if you stay long enough for someone to ask you for help, something's going to happen inside your body, and your life is never going to be the same, and I promise you won't ever have to go back to what it was like, so... I wish that for you, and I wish that for me and everyone here. I'm Franco. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you. Our second 10-minute speaker is Gina. Hi, everyone. I'm Gina. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, everyone on the internet here, or whatever. Um, give me a moment. I just need to take you all in. This is my home group. Um, I've been a member for over 25 years, and um, I'll be celebrating a year January 4th. Now, thank you. God willing. So, how do we get 25? Well, the math, how does that really add up? Um, so, um, I'll tell you what it was like what happened and what it's like today. Let's start with today, actually. Today I woke up, and sometimes I don't read uh, 86 through 88. Uh, sometimes I'll just play it on YouTube. That's kind of like my cheating, right? That's uh, 86 through 88, how we start our day. I used to not do that. Somewhere in the prior almost 25 years of sobriety, I stopped doing that. So I'm just telling you a story about how I did things and then I stopped doing things. Today I do that, whether it's um, reading it or listening to it. And then um, 
I visited my, I'll say it like this, on-again, off-again boyfriend in the hospital. Um, we both have this disease, and we both could have been in the hospital. This is a life and death disease, and I didn't think that really, I heard that over the years, I heard life and death until you're really faced with it, until you believe you're an alcoholic, until you really grasp that. And I think somewhere in my early sobriety years ago, I still didn't think, I still thought I could, I could do this. And even with all of you, I could do this. I got this. I'm not, great story, good story, good, here's the coffee. You know, whatever it is I was doing, I got this, I got it. And then one day, in your I got it's and your judgments and whatever else is going on with you and work gets busy and life gets busy, um, you don't got it anymore. And to that end, I just also want to say that currently I have two sponsors. One's not very happy with me right now, but hopefully we make it up. Um, I am working a fourth step slash fifth step very slowly uh, because I am a will taker backer. And that's another reason why I have, I'm coming up on a year. Um, I'm a big will taker backer. I will say this, thank you, um, that um, I'm a big fan, regardless of how much time we all have, in to thine own self be true. We're a great group of people, but some of us are not well. Some of us are not well. So you have to take what you need and leave the rest. Take what you need. If you're new, this is the best place. And I can tell you after having experienced a bottom that is incomprehensible and demoralizing, you don't want to have to go through that. I'm here as, uh, to tell you, and I'm going to tell you what that was like because I'm a native New Yorker. I did all the things in the 80s you would think I would do, right? I did it all. I partied, whatever that means to you guys. I did that. Um, I was, you know, a lot of people have a fear of the microphone, not me. I don't have a fear of this. I used to have a fear of you. I don't. And the reason I don't is because I, I want to be close to you, right? I want to get to know you. I want to help you. Uh, that used to not be the case. Uh, I was all about me, and uh, I work in entertainment, and it was all, always going to be about, you know, what I was going to get out of this. And now I realize that the God of my understanding, my higher power, or the spirit of the universe, I like to say, um, just wants me to get closer to, I just for lack of a better way, him, it, whatever it is. This is what I don't want for you. You want you if you don't want to trust in me, you're going to have this kind of pain, and I've had it. So, um, so in the '80s or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, I did all the things that you do, and um, you know, I was going to be an actress and that sort of thing, and uh, you know, men, hello, uh, they, you know, they sort of took you know the priority, and. Uh, and so you're, you know, your dreams are one thing, and then you, you're drinking, and it's all festive and all good, and then it's not so good one day. And then uh, you get married, and you think everything's going to be great, and then it doesn't doesn't work out. And 
then you get sober. And I had a really wonderful sober life in that first, uh, a, a really wonderful life. And then what happened was I met someone and, um, you know, I, 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 put, I put a lot of focus on someone. And, um, and, and we all want love and all of that. And I'm one of those women that, like, you know, I'm going to help you, right? I'm going to help you. And they have suggestions. Like, I'm not, I'm, the big book says a lot of things. And they're all suggestions. But those suggestions, you know, they're there for a reason, right? The sponsor gives you a suggestion. It's not coming out of a place that, you know, if, if you, it's not coming out of a place of, you know, hurting you. These are suggestions meant to help you. I'm really a hard case when it comes to that because I still willful, like I said. But um, I really tried to help someone, and uh, you know, I became, I, you know, relapsed in that process after a long time. But I don't blame him for that because I think on some level we draw people to us that either help or hinder our sobriety. And I think somewhere underneath that, there was a part of me, something unresolved. Thank God I live to tell the story. As I look at you, nod. Thank God I live to tell the story. Because like I said, when I started, the person I care for probably more than he even realizes is in the hospital right now. And I only hope that he gets this. But here we are today, right? And I did make it back. But it was incomprehensible. I had a wonderful job. I lost that wonderful job. I never thought I would get certain things back, my reputation in my business, all these things that we think, you know, it was terrible, like the loss of finances, this. I could have lost everything in this last go around. And what happened was, this is my home group, as I mentioned at the top. Uh, you welcomed me back. And I look at dear friends that I've known for a really long time. You welcomed me back. There was no judgment. And um, we did this a day at a time. And I have, uh, like I said, I have two sponsors. And, you know, hopefully I work everything out. Um, but, um, you know, I, I do the work to the best of my ability. I am still human. I do make mistakes. Nobody does this perfectly. I have yet to see somebody in all the time do this perfectly. Do some of you have things that I want? I don't even know what I want. How about that? I don't, I don't have any idea. I want, uh, all I know is that a, a day at a time, a day at a time since I've been back, my life has gotten better, right? Um, the job, I, I, I didn't, I, I manifested, you know, these manifest, manifesting. Uh, I thought about where I wanted to work. I'm like, oh, they really, they don't really want me over there because they know my whole story. And I got hired. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a field that I love and I'm still involved with to this day. You know, are the finances good? No. Is the rent not, not getting paid? Actually, it's not getting paid right now. Will it get better? Absolutely. It will absolutely get better. It has always gotten better. And even when it doesn't get better, the change that occurs helps me grow. I have one minute to tell you that the single best thing I've ever done in my life was join AA. If you are new, if you are coming back, if you are tired with 33 years, because I was tired with 25, almost 25, 
This is the best place and the most wonderful people. And uh, I want to thank Peggy and Van, who started this group, and some of these steering committee jammers, um, and all you guys that keep this running. That's it. Thanks. I'm Gina. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Tom, and I am an alcoholic. Our main speaker tonight is Billy. Hi, I'm Billy. I'm an alcoholic. And I'm going to tell you how you know I'm an alcoholic. Um, I wasn't aware you couldn't wear jeans tonight. So I had jeans on, and the preacher sees me and says, you can't have jeans on. And, you know, AA has taught me to be solution-based. So I called my wife and said, you got to bring over a pair of pants. And preacher said to me, don't worry, there are two speakers before you. And I thought, I'm not enough. Two speakers before me. That's how you know I'm a real alcoholic. Actually, I was, I was asked to speak here maybe 20 years ago by Ava. And um, she gave me the guidelines then, and I go, really? Yeah, all that stuff? And you know, two days later, she said, you know, I had a mix up with the dates. We're gonna have to change the date. I never heard back from her. <laughs> True story. True story. Um, I, I, I first want to say that a anything I say tonight that's not in the big book, you should probably ignore, because this is about AA. Um, I will tell you that uh, a week ago, uh, by the way, uh, my sobriety date, because you, you say that, is um, uh, October the 13th, uh, 1988. So last Thursday, I had 35 years. Friday. Friday. So, so Tuesday night, um, my wife and I were at were, were, were a show. And um, this fellow was, was, had a monologue and he was talking about his grandmother and what she told him. And she said, um, we're all born with, I'm sorry, we're, oh, better? Okay. She said, we're all born with two wolves inside of us, a good wolf and a bad wolf. And the question is, which one survives? And the answer that the grandmother told him was, the one you feed. And I thought that was so prolific for me, you know. And since Tuesday night, I've been trying to feed the good wolf all the time. And it's true, because, you know, if you feed the good wolf, the bad wolf doesn't live as long, you know. And that's, that's kind of what, what it is for me. I, um, I, uh, I'm an alcoholic, and I know that uh, because I couldn't stop drinking. Uh, I know that because alcohol ran my life. Uh, I know that because I would wake up in the morning and drink on my nightstand the drink that I hadn't finished the night before when I passed out. Because I didn't go to sleep for a very long time. I passed out all the time. I'd wake up and I'd drink that, that drink that had, you know, liquor in it. It had... Uh, you know, so it may have had some ice melted, it may have had, you know, tequila in it, God knows what. I would chug that. And then I would go to the, the refrigerator and I would pour myself uh, a couple of inches of, uh, of Stoli or Smirnoff 150, which was the Mexican 
Mexican stuff, the 100 proof Mexican stuff, and a couple of inches of uh, Tropicana w without the pulp because, you know, you don't want to get that in the way. And then, <laughs> and then I would chug that, you know, and, and that's how I started my day. You know, I did other stuff too, but this is about Alcoholics Anonymous, and I like to only talk about alcohol there, but I did all that other stuff. So that's how I started my day. And if you start your day when you, if you start your day drinking, you have no boundaries left when not to drink. You know, some people, you know, I drank when I came home from work. I, none of that for me. I started early. And I started that because I was married to a woman who was, um, she was a, a big shot in the garment center, and, uh, and she cheated on me, and I got divorced and uh, I was off to the races. And I was alone, uh, feeling sorry for myself, poor me, you know, all that stuff that we do so well. Uh, and I would just drink and, and, and go to work and, and my life got smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, I was incapable, I had a dog, a Cocker Spaniel named Einstein. And, and um, it got to the point where I couldn't walk my dog. He would go to the window in the living room and defecate, and I would clean it up. And it wasn't there anymore, so it was okay. You know, that's my alcoholic thinking. It wasn't there, it was okay. Um, I was incapable of going down the elevator in my building. I live on the sixth floor. I live in the same apartment I lived in for almost 50 years. I, I, would, I was incapable of going down the elevator without punching four and two and drinking from my flask. You know, I had vodka in my flask. Sometimes I had schnapps in my flask. I liked tequila, you know. I liked alcohol, frankly. I'm not even sure, that, that may be an untruth. I'm not even sure I like alcohol. I like what it did to me. You know, I liked what it did to me. That, that's, it changed me. You know, that's what alcohol did for me. It changed me. So I would then drive to work, and I'd have my flask. I'd go into my office, and I'd drink in my office, I would have a container of Tropicana, again, and you know, I'd pour the vodka, I had the vodka in my bathroom and, at work, and pour it in, and, and then put the straw in it, and I'd pretend like I was a normal human being, sipping my orange juice at nine o'clock in the morning. You know, I've already, I've already lit up already, you know, I'm, I'm lit three days to Sunday already at, at this hour, but, and that's how my life was. It got smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was in partners with my brother, we were in the shoe business, and, and uh, what happened was, at one point, he started yelling at me on the phone, and he was at another place, and I was in Fort Lee, and he came over, and we got a fist fight in, a shoe, in, the, in the office of a shoe store. It was a glass window, so you could see through from the selling floor to the office. You got that Saturday afternoon. We're busy. And here are the two owners slugging it out in the back. The cops got called, and you know, when they, when, when they called the police in Fort Lee, New Jersey, the whole police department comes. Every, every squad car, every cop, everybody shows up. You know, the detectives show up, and the, you know, the, the chief of police shows up, you know. And you know, the truth is I got arrested, I got taken out of my, my shoe store in handcuffs, uh, put in jail, uh, you know, for being disorderly and stuff like that. And uh, I was fortunate they let, me, they let me out later that day. And what did I do? I'm an alcoholic. I went back to my office and drank. I went right to the bathroom and started to drink. You know, my life was just spiraling downhill and I wasn't aware of it. I was, the, if you put all the bad things that happened to me on a wall, right here, you put them all, you would see that the common thread was alcohol. 
that was it. You know, not everything I did when I was drinking was bad, but believe me, everything was bad when I was drinking. I mean, it was just, it was a disaster. You know, I was, I had the inability to have a meaningful relationship with, with another human being, as you talk about in the sixth step. You know, I, I was, I was divorced, I was single, I was doing all that stuff, you know, the 50, you know, you guys don't remember it, but I, I used to go to Studio 54, you've heard of it, you're so young, but I used to go there. And, and I will tell you that uh, I, the, I, I couldn't have a long relationship with anybody. You know, they talk about a quarter horse. A quarter horse is a, is a horse that can run, it's the fastest animal in the world for a quarter of a mile and then it dies out. It just can't keep going, doesn't have the stamina. That's what I was like in dating. I was a great guy for four weeks. Amazing date. Ah, oh, you would have loved me. Four weeks and two days, you never saw me again. You know, what happened to him? You know, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't, I couldn't sustain relationships. So here I am, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm lying in my bed, I, I'm scared of the phone, I'm scared of the lights, I'm scared of this, I'm scared of that, you know. Uh, I, you know, my life was unmanageable. I never thought I was powerless, but I always felt I was unmanageable. You know, I, I would get a, <laughs> today this still triggers me, I, I would get a, a phone bill, and I would, you know, I'd throw it away, whatever, you know. And I'd get the second one, and then the third one was very thin, the one that says we're disconnecting. Yeah, everybody laughs at that one. They all know that one. And, um, and, and, and so I'd finally, I'd, I'd want to pay my bill. So for me to get the bill, a check, an envelope, and here, wait for it, a stamp, <laughs> all together, was just a mountain I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get over. So they would turn off my phone. They would turn off my, I live in a co-op. They would turn off the, the, the electric. They, they'd say, what's the matter with this guy, you know? My life was just, was terrible. They tried to throw me out of my co-op. I lived there for many years. They tried to throw me out uh, because I had, uh, you know, unsavory people coming and going. We'll leave it at that. We're in a church. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it was, it was, it was very sad. And, and just, just to tell you where I am today, I want to tell you that um, I'm 35 years sober, and the co-op that they tried to throw me out of, I'm the president. <laughs> I have been for three years, and I've been on the board for six, and I'm the president of the co-op. Of course, I ran for the board after all the people that knew what I was like in the building have died. <laughs> Nobody there knew what I was like. They're all dead. So, so, so I get sober, you know, I, I, I'm told I have to go to rehab. I, I, go to, I go to rehab, it was really, uh, it was really wonderful. You know, I, I was able to not be in charge for a while, not, not have all the answers for a while, not take care of everybody else for a while. Um, and I, you know, I really didn't do that well because I don't know how to do that, you know. I, I really never knew how to take care of myself like that, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and uh, I got out of rehab. Uh, they wouldn't let me out after 28 days. They wanted me another seven days. 28's not enough. It was a lovely place. I, really, I only went there because I heard the Kennedys went there. 
you know, I wanted to be nice and quiet and relaxed and all that stuff, you know. So, um, so I, I get out and uh, I go to uh, Trafalgar is my first meeting out. Um, but before I get out, I go, <laughs> I go to the workshop. They let me out on a day pass to the workshop. And there's a woman sitting up on the, on, on the dais there. And she says, <laughs> I'll never forget this. She goes, I just want to be clear. I've slept with men, I've slept with women, and I've slept with animals. And I thought, this is for me. This is right up my alley. I mean, it's, that's how shallow I am. And it hasn't changed that much, to be honest with you. So I'm in AA, and I'm, I'm doing, you know, I really did, I, I did what they told me to do. You know, I, I got a sponsor. I had a wonderful man named Arthur. He was, uh, he was younger than me. He was broke. Uh, he rode a Harley. He only wore black. And he saved my life. Arthur saved my life. He was an amazing human being. Saved my, he still is. He's an amazing human being. Saved my life. He used to say to me things like, what's your motive? What? I just, what's your motive, Billy? What are you talking about, Arthur? I don't want to, what's your motive for doing that or saying that? And he would drill that into me and drill it into me and drill it into me until I finally understood what he was talking about. You know, my agenda, what was going on for me. Um, so I, you know, I was, uh, as, you know, it was right across the street actually, two blocks away was Trafalgar. Uh, and I used to go here to Midtown. You guys, some of you may remember that downstairs. It was really a wonderful meeting. And I was, you know, doing all the things they told me to do. I was doing service at a home group, uh, sponsor steps, everything, they, 90 and 90, I really did everything. Um, and then, you know, uh, I met this girl in AA who was, uh, you know, pretty, uh, nice. Uh, she didn't actually like me. And, and I, 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 in retrospect, I didn't like her either. So we got married. And, um, <laughs> And uh, truth be told, we were married. We were married here in New York City. It was an AA wedding, you know. Everybody in AA, all the sponsees and sponsors and all that stuff, you know. Year after, that's all right. Uh, the, the marriage lasted 90 days. <laughs> 90 days. It was so short. I, I never saw the wedding pictures. They hadn't come back yet. Um, truth be told, I didn't drink. I didn't drink. I was upset. I was all those things, but I didn't drink. You know, and, uh, and that's the answer. I used to, I was going to five meetings a day with my sponsor and my friends, and you know, it was, it was just, it was a tough time, but I got through it, I didn't drink. And now, you know, my life is different. My life is different. I'm, you know, I, uh, I, I'm married for, it'll be 32 years. Uh, I have two sons, one of them just got engaged, you know, and I got, now I got in-laws coming up, you know, and, uh, what, what, really? And, uh, you know, my life is so different through the steps, through prayer, through meditation. Not so much meditation, but prayer, really. Um, I have a sponsor I talk to. I have a number of sponsees, thank you. I have a number of sponsees I talk to. Um, I've done the steps. Uh, I try and work my, the steps with my sponsees. One of the things I really believe in uh, is humor. You know, I, I think that humor is, a, is an important part of my sobriety 
and it's helped me stay sober a long time. You know, I, um, I've been to federal prison for income tax evasion. Uh, not sober, before I got sober. But in prison, I, I remember, you know, it, it occurred to me a few years after I was out, I got a, um, I got a, a two-year sentence to serve uh, for income tax evasion, and the judge said you only have to serve four months because I had a good, uh, what they call a pre-sentence report. So I was in uh, Allenwood Federal Prison Camp, and uh, I was a kosher chef, okay. So, um, and I was friends with the Muslims, who were the bakers. And they would, I would swap kosher meat for jungle juice. The jungle juice is, is what you drink in prison. It's made with yeast and, and water sugar and, and uh, made in metal, and it, it gets you high. You know, the thing is, like so much of my life, I didn't have the ability to understand the consequences of my events. You know, I got lucky in prison. I didn't get caught. But had I gotten caught, I would not serve four months. I would have served the two full years. You know, had I gotten caught. But I never put things together. You know, so much of my life, I'm here and the stuff's here and I don't get it together. And, and I don't know why, but that's just how it is. That's just my disease, my, my low self-esteem, my entitlement, you know, uh, that kind of stuff that I go through on a regular basis. So here I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sober now. Um, my business was in bankruptcy. Uh, I brought it out of bank bankruptcy and it's, it's okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, I, I'm trying to retire. You know, I'm 75 and I don't know how to do that. You know, that, that sound, may sound funny to some people, but I don't know how to stop working, you know, because that's all I know. Because I was raised, you are what you do. So if you are what you do, when you're not doing it, you're nothing. You know, that's what came to me. I am what I do. If I, if I, you know, when I went bankrupt, I thought, that really put me in a spiral. Because here and I've been selling shoes for 50 years, you know, now. But then it was, you know, it wasn't that long ago. But, but you know, and nonetheless, I thought, gee, it's awful. Who am I if I can't keep a go of this and make this a continuous success? So these are all things that, I, that, I, that, have, that have plagued me through my life. Um, my low self-esteem. Um, my feelings of wanting to, to be more. Um, when I pray every day and I pray every morning, um, I don't ask God just to remove my defects of character. I ask him to replace them with attributes, you know. I ask him to fill me with love, compassion, understanding, faith, hope, acceptance, tolerance, you know, things like that. To get, you know, honesty, openness, willingness, things that I'm not, I don't default to normally. You know, our, uh, the second appendix of our big book says we will have a spiritual awakening that will help us recover from alcohol. I, I don't, a change in personality, I don't, I didn't think I had a change in personality. I've always felt I wanted to do better and get over it, but I've had a change in personality. I've defaulted differently today. I think differently today. I care more about people. I've always felt I cared about people, but I, I, I act better today, you know. 
despite my, the inner voice inside of me that sometimes wants me to act out. You know, it's just, it's there, it's there. But the, the good wolf is louder. It's really true, that good wolf thing that I heard is really, it's really, it's been very helpful to me, you know. And it's only a week ago. I mean, you gotta imagine, I'm 35 years sober, I'm 75 years old, and I'm still learning. Gee, that's something, huh? That's really something. I'm still learning. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. Um, as I go through my life, you know, uh, with my wife, I have a, a wonderful wife, um, and, and uh, what I can tell you about her is that she accepts, accepts me for who I am. And not only for who I am, but she accepts me, accepts me for what I don't bring to the party. You know, I don't bring a lot of things to the party, but she's okay with that, you know, and that's part of our marriage. You know, that's part of our relationship, you know, to show up for each other. You know, I learned to listen. You know, one of the things I've had, I've had, let's see, I've had three sponsees, three sponsees that have been married. I was at a sponsee's wedding this weekend out in East Hampton. Um, it was a lovely time. You know, it was a sober man, a sober woman, and a wonderful time. It's just, you know, I've lost sponsees to, to death. I've lost family members to death. You know, I've been through it all, you know, but I'm still standing, you know, a day at a time. And that's what this program teaches me. Show up, suit up, you know. Woody Allen said 90% of life is just showing up. Put one foot in front of the other. And I really do that a lot. Sometimes it's more difficult than others. But I really do it a lot, you know. I haven't had a, haven't felt necessary, haven't felt necessary to have a drink in so long. You know, it doesn't mean I don't feel like killing somebody. You know, or, you know, all those things that go on in, inside of us. But, you know, I, I'm one of those people that when I wake up in the morning, I, I do not wake up sober. I wake up dry. I got to tell you. I, it takes me a while to get, not even sober, just to get even. You know, I pray and then, you know, I wake up at sometimes 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I start to think about all the, I live in what, the, what I call Billyville. And Billyville is where everything good is really bad. You know, everything bad's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen to one of my children, my wife, my dog, I don't know, my business will fall, you know, who knows what, everything. So I live in this little place, Billyville, that I live in, and, and I really have to talk myself out of it through prayer. You know, I actually speak to myself, I, I say my prayers, I get up, and I, and I have my, my first glass of water. I have two glasses of water every morning, you know. And then I have my coffee. So instead of that, that drink, you know, with, with Smirnoff, you know, 100 proof, I now have coffee, you know, chock full of nuts. <laughs> so good coffee, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. None of that fancy stuff, I don't like Starbucks. I like chock full of nuts. I, like, I really do. I, I, actually, I'll be honest with you, my favorite coffee is eight o'clock coffee. <laughs> Try it, you'll all thank me. You'll see me on the street and thank me. I am. Um, so I have coffee, and I start my day, you know. I, I, I read, I have a little book that says, Meditation for Men That Do Too Much. <laughs> Meditations for Men That Do Too Much. And I read a page of that, and, and I try to rush through it because I got things to do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, my program, you know, I, to be honest with you, I don't go to enough AA meetings. I don't call my sponsor enough. I don't do enough step work. You know, 
but I'm still sober, and I keep showing up. You know, and uh, I've had so many wonderful gifts in this in this life. Uh, after I got sober, you know, I actually my apartment uh, sees the 59th Street Bridge. When I was uh, active in the beginning of November, they run the New York City Marathon. So I would be able to see them coming over the 59th Street Bridge oh, and the marathon runners, you know, and I thought, what a stupid thing to do. Why would anybody want to run 26 miles? You've got to be an idiot to do that, you know? I got sober, and in four years sober, I ran the New York City Marathon. And my wife brought my, my son, who was a week old at the time, to uh, the 16-mile mark at 59th Street Bridge and was there for me. We took pictures and everything. It was, you know, I've done so many things. I, I've been a Little League baseball coach for many years. I was a CYO coach. They used to call me the windmill. I used to bring them all home from third base. It w didn't matter. i bring everybody in there. It, they never tag them. They got to catch the ball, throw the ball, tag them. I brought them. I windmilled everybody in. I must have scored a thousand runs. You know, just by, by errors, you know. But I, but I would show up. I would, you know, I, you live in the city, you know, you want your kids to have a, 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 a country experience. We would ride our bikes to Central Park, you know, you know, across 57th Street into Central Park, up, you know, the whole deal, like, like we were country folk, you know. <laughs> but I, because yeah. my kids were raised, in, you know, not far from here. You know, I live a couple blocks from here. Um, so, you know, I have just amazing experiences. My, my work, my work is just, you know, I'm, I'm able to show up for my work and, and do it and be okay with it. And I'm learning to leave early from work. I now leave by four o'clock. Appreciate sure, what is so funny about that? All right, he, he used to work for me. All right. <laughs> but I, I, I leave work at four o'clock. It's a big deal for me. You have to understand, that's a big deal for me, somebody like me, who's been selling shoes for 52 years. 52 years I've been selling shoes. You know, I used to buy shoes from Ava. They didn't sell. That's not, that's not important. That's not important. But, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here tonight. I'm so grateful Preacher asked me to speak this evening. You know, I'd just like to say there are a lot of people counting days. Listen carefully. You know, if alcohol is your problem, stop drinking. But if you can't stop drinking, the answer is Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you very much. My name is Preacher, and I'm an alcoholic, and I chair the Atlantic Group. Let's thank tonight's speakers, Franco, Gina, and Billy.